Welcome, friends. I'm Sarah Ann Stewart, and this is the Awesome Inside Out Podcast. Now, I'm not sure how you ended up here today, but I want to welcome you with open arms. Because while our past may be different, I'm going to take a wild guess that we share one common desire to have a deeply fulfilling, extraordinary life in a body that we love. A life free of diets, free from guilt, and free from shame. In each episode, we're going to dive deep into mindset shifts that give you the power to decide how you feel, not the media, not your past, and not social conditioning. Then you'll discover how to use this inspiration and this new sense of confidence to be the best you, the you that you are meant to be. So get ready, my friend. It is time to get awesome inside out. Hey there, thanks so much for tuning in to another interview episode on the Awesome Inside Out podcast. If you enjoy this conversation, the absolute best way that you can always support is just by sharing it on social media or with someone that you love. It would mean the world to me for others to have access to this powerful content and also for them to join the movement. This has always been about all of us coming together to support one another in creating a happier, healthier world. So thank you so much in advance for being here and for showing up for your health and your well-being. Also, make sure to stay till the end as I'm going to offer you some applicable takeaways and a fun challenge this week to upgrade your health and your mindset. So this week, we're diving into a common challenge I see a lot in my practice and most of us face at some point in our relationship. The challenge of dating or marrying someone or having a partner with health values that might not be in complete alignment with yours. And so when I first started dating my now husband, my ego was wrapped up in the idea that I was right and he was wrong in his health choices. And full transparency, it definitely caused some tension between us. Healthy eating and living a more aligned life of well-being was not part of his truth yet. And yet I learned very quickly that shaming him or guilting him for eating his pizza or trying to get him to eat salad didn't create meaningful change, however well-intentioned it might have been. I found it so difficult at first to release control around his eating habits. First, I became competitive, then I became angry. And then I finally realized that I had to let go of the dream that maybe just maybe one day we would be sipping Rishi lattes together. Instead, I dove deep into some inner work. I had to learn that it was not a sign of weakness to not be able to inspire someone else into making healthier choices. And I had to remind myself that my failure to overhaul a quarter century worth of my husband's bad food choices did not mean that I was an awful health coach. And I still had to hold a higher vision that someday he would be open to the idea of salads and smoothies and meditation. Wanting to create change takes a lot of time and forcing it all at once will only result in resentment and additional tension. Further, I knew that I would resent Craig if I let his love for pizza take over my life. And I knew intuitively that I had to continue to choose what was healthy for me, regardless of whether or not he was on the same page. And although I struggled a bit, I ultimately decided that none of this would be a deal breaker for me. Even if I didn't love his choices, I loved him and that was enough. Years later, I'm happy to say that he's much more in alignment and on the health train and that our meals are very different than how they were when we first started dating. Most of our dinners are organic and contain greens, and rarely do we have alcohol or sugar at the table. And there are still days where there's lots of pizza and pasta still ordered. And so this entire process has been a wonderful learning experience for both of us. Today and every day, I still attempt to honor my commitment to be my own leader within the dynamics of every single relationship in my life. And I've discovered true happiness and health come from a place of self-reverence and self-respect for my body without others' approval. So if you've been struggling to navigate meals with your friends, your family, your colleagues, or frustrated with your partner's vision of health compared to yours, this episode is for you. This week, my husband and I are sitting down and taking it back to the very beginning of our relationship to the challenges we faced individually and as a couple, lessons we learned along the way, and advice we have for other couples on how to empower and challenge one another to be better without using guilt or shame to do so. Plus, I'm asking Craig to share his feelings on the best and the not-so-great things I did 
when it came to my attempts to upgrade his healthy habits. And so if you don't know my hubby, his name is Craig Clemens. He's a brilliant entrepreneur and runs one of the leading health incubators in the world. Our journey together has been nothing short of a crazy adventure, and I'm excited for you to get to know him today. Welcome, Mr. Craig Clemens, to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Mrs. Craig Clemens. <laughs> it's great to be here with you. Oh, that's funny, considering I didn't take your last name. But thank you so much for being here to have this conversation. That's right, but you could decide to take it now. Oh, I could. Right now, live on the air. Yes, yeah, so you could decide. You could be like a remarriage. On the Awesome Inside Out podcast. I mean, crazier things have happened on this podcast, I'm sure, but I can't think of any. No, I can't either. Well, we are in the, currently in the middle of Tennessee on a beautiful farm. Yep. And we went birding this morning. We went birding this morning. And I had this realization yesterday when you were getting a facial last night. <laughs> so we went to the spa and Craig got an incredible facial and he came out and he was telling me all about it and how we need to sleep on silk pillows moving forward and all the things yep. we can do. Cotton to, pulls your face. To keep our skin looking fresh and young and healthy. And I had a flashback to when we first met and how unhealthy you were. <laughs> Wait a second here. <laughs> and I mean this in the most sincere, loving, compassionate, understanding way, but... Wait, you always say that though. You always say, I mean this in the most sincere way. You know, sincere actually means you really mean it. It means you're honest. No, no, I am. So, like, you mean it, like, so it's almost like saying, if you replace sincerely with seriously, so it's like, <laughs> like you're saying, you were so unhealthy when we met, and I, I mean that sincerely. Like, you were completely a fucking mess, <laughs> is what it sounds like when you yeah, say well, that. I mean, that. You mean it sincerely. Like, you really, I mean, that's the truly truth. believe that I was just a, a pinnacle of the opposite of health. That is true. So, I was coming out of my, when we met, I was coming out of my partying days and moving into my healthy living and lifestyle. And you were in the midst of partying and enjoying a life that was very much not aligned with health and well-being. And that's okay. And there's nothing wrong with that. But let's, what... let's, let's be sincere though. Okay. <laughs> Your party days were sincerely a lot of party. I mean, there's sincerely many, many long nights. Of course. <laughs> yeah. For yeah. many, many years. Yes. Many, many carbs after 7 p.m. <laughs> yep. Yes, it was a lot of non-organic meals there, mm -hmm. breathing in toxic air. Mm -hmm. I think there was even a, a non-grass-fed burger one night when you were really crazy in Ibiza. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely didn't have my healthy days for sure. But when we met, there was definitely a difference, right? There was difference of energy and how we related to our health and well-being. And there's nothing wrong with that. There was a difference, but I didn't know there was a difference because you played along <laughs> for many, many dates when you would eat that pasta, uh, reach for that bread roll, put some butter on that. I think if I would have ordered a Coca-Cola, you would have ordered one too. Definitely not Coca-Cola. <laughs> if you ordered a soda, I would have been out. But oh, like, man. okay, getting to the point here is the fact that when we first started dating, there was a difference and I was stepping into a more healthy lifestyle. I had started a retreat company. I was running wellness retreats and, and you were still in your parting phase, but we met and started dating and, and then we went to Burning Man and I was confronted with lots of French fries and hot pockets and mm. ranch dressing and <laughs> really wondering, like, is this the person for me? Like, can I be in partnership with someone who is not taking care of their own body. And Look, Burning Man, you do what you can to survive. If that means eating a Hot Pocket, you know, if it's a difference between a Hot Pocket and death, I'm going to take the Hot Pocket. <laughs> it's once a year. Sign me up. Ham and cheese, pepperoni, you know, I'd do it again. Yeah, of course. And that's Burning Man. But the point I'm making is that going into this relationship, I really had to make a decision because I personally was watching your lifestyle and I get you lived on bananas for five days. Yes. At Burning Man. But I, w I was watching your lifestyle and you this should tell that story though. Oh God. So we got to Burning Man. Sarah and I had just started dating. Sarah shows up and my friend had brought in all the food for us. And yes, there was a lot of hot pockets and Sarah looks at the food and 
grabs a banana. And basically for five days in a row, all she ate was bananas because she wouldn't touch any of the other food. <laughs> yep. And I thought she loved bananas for many, I don't many know, years. Years. I thought she loved bananas. Oh. And then finally she confessed. No, it was just because I, I didn't want to touch eat a banana. Else. But anyway, this is a question I get asked a lot from women is my partner, they're not healthy. They don't have a healthy lifestyle. They sit in front of the TV all day. They're not taking care of themselves. And the problem, which I see, is that when there is the nagging energy of, oh my gosh, you have to be like me, you have to change, you have to become someone different, that doesn't actually inspire someone to change. And the other problem that I see is that when the, most often I'm talking to women, so in a partnership, if the partner that is taking care of themselves subconsciously starts to mimic and live a certain lifestyle as their partner, meaning not take care of themselves as much, maybe skip out on their walks, maybe skip out on their movement, start eating unhealthy, start not caring as much about their self-care practices. Then they begin to resent the partner because of the fact that they no longer are living this healthy lifestyle. They blame the partner. Right. So in both cases, they're blaming the partner. They're either nagging or or they're feeling resentful that they've lost touch with themselves. And what I find really interesting about our relationship and when I'm looking back on it is, is I want to hear from you because you have literally transformed your entire relationship to your mind, your body, your relationship to your purpose and your why and your mission on this planet. And now you're literally a completely different person where people are like, wait, you're doing 60 day, one hour a day meditation challenge. You're not drinking Coke. You're not drinking coffee anymore for 60 days. It wasn't the drinking of the Coke that they were surprised about. (laughs) Yeah, not doing Coke anymore. (laughs) Um, I quit drinking Coke when I was 19. So me taking on healthy habits actually had a prior start. Okay, but... I've gotten significantly healthier since we started dating, 100%. Yeah. I mean, when we met you, your mom was so impressed that you even ate a salad for the first time ever in front of me. That was the first time. And she was literally losing her mind. She was so excited. She still doesn't serve me salad when I go to her house. Doesn't believe that it'll get consumed. Right. And now you're at this place where you're eating greens every single day. Every meal. Every meal. You're taking care of your body. You're getting facials. You're doing sauna work, you're working out every day, you're running marathons. I mean, I know that some of these practices were definitely part of your lifestyle before we met, but just the person that you've become since we met is completely transformed. And so the conversation I really want to have is about how do we, in partnership, support one another and uplift one another to become healthier versions of ourselves without losing our own purpose of who we are and what we want to accomplish with our health or without resenting our partner. And I think that this is, this is a conversation that's very challenging right now, specifically during this pandemic, because I'm hearing a lot of women getting very frustrated because they want their partner to motivate them or they want their partner to inspire them or it's the reverse role. And so I want to hear from you, like, what did I do good and what did I do really bad (laughs) when it came to inspiring you to become healthy? Because from my experience, I remember making a choice and saying, and I remember talking to Annie, our therapist, um, she's more of a like health, like a life coach to us, but, and she's literally been our relationship coach, probably from what date number five, she's been incredible. But anyway, long story short, she made the point that you can only hold the higher version of your partner. You can't vision. Higher vision, which is a, your, your idea of a better version. Version, right. You can't force them into ever making the change. You can only inspire from a place of true well-being. But then from my alignment, it was a lot of, whether you call it willpower, checking within and tapping into my awareness and my intuition, which inspired me to stay true to my highest well-being throughout this process. And what's interesting is there's been times where recently I've fallen off the healthy bandwagon and haven't been inspired, especially during this pandemic. And you've actually been the person to reinstitute some of this, this momentum and really support me and inspire me. So, well, you know, now, I mean, I'm the healthy one in the relationship. (laughs) So, you know, fantastic question, fantastic episode topic. So yeah, I had never eaten a really a salad when we started dating. 
I would try to eat vegetables because I knew they were good for me at that point. But I didn't even eat vegetables up until I was like 30. My typical meal would be either a Chipotle burrito or a panini sandwich. Or if I was going to healthy, it would be a chicken breast with some sweet potatoes and carrots on the side. You know, I don't consider carrots a vegetable. Are carrots a vegetable? Mm -hmm. They're like a tuber or something, right? I don't know. But... That would be it. I didn't fuck with no lettuce, no cauliflower, no beets. Just started eating mushrooms. And I started getting fat. Mm. And my way of keeping myself thin was intermittent fasting. Mm. So I confine my eating to an eight-hour window. And people, if people don't know what intermittent fasting mean, it means, you're basically 16 hours a day of the 24, you're not eating. And then you have an eight hour window to eat your meals. And you can eat as many meals as you want over there, but usually two is the magic number. So typical day would be wake up, don't have breakfast, have lunch at noon, and make sure you're finished with dinner before eight o'clock. So I would do that. And it works really well. You can stay thin. And if I wanted to turbocharge the intermittent fasting, I would make sure that my dinner meal was healthy. And my version of healthy dinner meal was, as I said, you know, so I'd have the panini lunch with cheese and on the panini and French fries. And then at dinner, I'd have the chicken breast with the carrots on the side or something like that, you know? So I was doing that to accomplish the physical look of being thin. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't super healthy. Right. But I had hacked that and I'd also hacked working out. So I figured out this workout that I could do and I could do it three to four times a week. And it involved compound movements. So what compound movements are, are they're movements that work a lot of muscle at once. So for example, if you're at the gym and you're doing bicep curls, you're just working your bicep. It's like, you know, 4% of your entire body or something. I just made that number up, but it's a very small part of your body. But if you're doing squats, you're working your entire legs, your butt, which is a huge muscle, your lower back, your shoulders when you're holding the bar up. You know, you have something like 60, 70% of your muscles of your entire body are engaged in one exercise. So I figured out this workout where I would do these compound movements, which are squats, deadlift, bench press, dips, chin-ups, and I would do them with very heavy weight. And I could get away with going to the gym three to four days a week and doing my intermittent fasting. And I was jogging a little bit as well. And I would look great. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't in great shape. I was strong, but I didn't have a lot of mobility or a lot of stamina. And it all came out one night when we were out in Utah at a conference. And that morning I got up and I did my deadlifts and my back workout. And then I got on a mountain bike. And I hadn't been on a mountain bike in something like 20 years. And my friend took me down this crazy trail And I knew how to bike when I was a kid, so I wasn't a total novice, but I crashed a few times and my back wasn't feeling great when I got off the mountain bike. And then later I was dancing and I tried to pull out this break dance move from my junior high and high school days. And it happened to be in front of Sergey Sergey (laughs) Brin from Google. And... I did this thing. It was like the, this move is called the kid and play where you hold your foot and you jump over with the other leg. And I made the jump. But when I landed, I screamed because my back just popped and exploded. And I don't know what happened to my back, but I didn't walk straight for a long time. I had to have a physical therapist come and adjust me every week. And it's because I didn't have mobility. I looked good, but I wasn't actually healthy. So I was faking it. And I would go tanning and, you know, all that shit you know it was just like full faking it and then two things were happening at the same time Mm -hmm. so you had a force on your side sarah and that is age Mm. so when we started dating i was 34 and 34 and i'm 41 now are very different in a male physiology Mm -hmm. so started noticing more my energy levels if i ate that crap meal at lunch i would have dragging energy levels all day And my mobility wasn't just that one back problem, you know, because after that, I didn't realize what it was. So I went back to the same Mm -hmm. workout when my back healed and I still didn't have the mobility. 
So I started doing yoga and that helped and mixing up my workouts, doing what's called mobility training, which is kind of like a CrossFit type workout, but more focused on different random movements and not doing the same exercises every day, every week. Because you do the same exercises every day, every week, your body gets used to moving in those ways. And then when you try a new movement, you can pull a muscle. Mm -hmm. And if you're, you know, 37 year olds, years old plus, you're going to pull that muscle. And sometimes you pull it like putting your sport coat on. It's not even doing any type of a crazy athletic activity. So the force of age was there. And I don't know how I started on this tale. I think, oh, okay. So I was talking about what I did to get, get healthy before you and I met. Mm-hmm. So one thing that I discovered when you and I started dating is that healthy food actually tastes good. Mm. So I never ordered it myself. I was just sewing that routine. Mm-hmm. So you'd order some type of fancy salad and I'd take a few bites. I'd be like, oh, that was actually pretty tasty. And then I started realizing of the healthy foods, what I really liked taste-wise. Right. So I really liked kale. I didn't like any of the other lettuces. I have a thing with stems. I still do. You see me take stems out of my salads, you know. But I like kale because there was no stems. It had a nice crunch. I like beets. I like carrots. And one day I had this epiphany. I was like, oh, I could take all the vegetables that I like and put them in a bowl. And that's a salad. (laughs) Holy shit. It doesn't have to be the salad from a restaurant. And part of the reason I never ate salad, babe, is because I hated white condiments. Mm. I hated ranch dressing, blue cheese, and Thousand Island. And most of the time when you go and order a salad... Mm -hmm it would have one of those type of dressings on it. And I also hate a balsamic vinaigrette. Mm. So that's what I thought the options were. And when I learned that a salad could be olive oil and a squeeze of lemon and veggies that I do like, and I could say no to onions or um, things with stems that I didn't like, I was like, wow, I can actually make salads and eat them. I can actually get it down, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like without having to, to torture myself. So that was a big epiphany, just trying your food, as dumb as it probably sounds, just realizing that I could m- custom make a salad. And then Sweet Green came out, which was great because that part of the show there is you design your own salad. So that was awesome. And then I was always in charge of ordering food for us. And you would s- I'd say, babe, what's your preference tonight? And you never have a preference, but you always say something healthy. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, shit. I guess that means Italian is off the table, <laughs> you know, and then I would order something healthier. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I still might try to cheat in some sweet potato fries or something like that. But having us uh, sharing all the meals and you always wanting to eat super healthy made me want to eat super healthy and actually didn't give me much of a choice either because unless I wanted to waste a ton of food because mm-hmm. I can't order for more people. Then two, you know, if I'm only ordering for two people, it's like three, four items max. And if you say they got to be healthy Mm. and we're only getting three items, well, then all three of them got to be like marginally, like two of them got to be really healthy. And the last one, like the most unhealthy it can be is maybe sweet potato fries or like a gluten-free avocado (laughs) toast or some shit, you know? So if someone out there is listening, want to know how to get their partner to eat healthy, you got to stick to your own guns Mm -hmm. and share food. Yep. I meet couples that don't share food, and I think that's an obstacle, you know, if you're not sharing food. Mm -hmm. Now, you may be in a routine with your partner where you never share food, and I don't know if that's an easy switch to make, because you and I have always shared food, but I think saying that you need healthy food, and so let's go to a healthy restaurant is a good first step. That's a big step. Yeah, if you are going to Sweet Green instead of Jack in a Box, your partner can only order something like, you know... You can only get so unhealthy at sweet cream. Mm-hmm. You know, you could add in three kinds of cheese. And like, you know, yes, you want the bread on the side, but it's not going to be as bad as going and eating the 20-piece chicken nuggets and a chocolate shake. You know, so that's a good step in the right direction, just saying that you want to eat at healthy restaurants and that your partner wants to respect that. Mm-hmm. And, hey, we're all sexual creatures. We want our partners to look good. So, you know, like in good interest there. We all want to have long, healthy lives with our partners, so we want our partner to live a long time. So that's a healthy interest there. So you could say like, you know, hey, I want to look good and feel good and live long, and I got a busy day tomorrow of of work, so I'd love to eat somewhere healthy tonight. I'd say that every night. But that also being the responsibility of 
yourself, the moment you project that onto the other person, then it becomes the nagging game again. So it has to be, I want, like you said, it has to be the, the I responsibility of, hey, I want to feel good in my body. I want to have energy. I want to have vitality. And I want to have a really long, beautiful life with you. And that means that we have to, that I have to take care of my health. And then hopefully that inspires the we to take care of ourselves. Yeah. And you don't even have to say the last part. Right. You could just lead by example, but then getting yourselves to healthy restaurants is going to be a step in the right direction. And then doing physical fitness things together, it's common sense, but Mm -hmm. accountability partners help, you know, you and I used to do a lot of hikes Mm -hmm. and I mean, we still do a fair amount of hikes. But I remember when we first started dating, I remember we'd go to Josh's house and we'd do this hike and you'd be hauling ass up the hill. I'd be like, shit, I got to keep up with her now. So that would get me in better shape. Mm-hmm. And then up until your broken both arms <laughs> incident, we were doing the rollerblading and the yeah. running, you know. So if you have physical things you can do together, that's a good step in the right direction. And meditation. Mm-hmm. Uh, meditation. I said that really funny. Meditating is something you can do together. Mm-hmm. And that was another thing that I started doing right before you and I met. Right. And the reason I never started earlier is I thought meditating had to do with spirituality. Mm-hmm. And it has nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. And some people might be listening to this show and still might not realize that. But it's it can be spiritual. But on a physical level, it's pure brain reset. It's giving your brain a break. And it's scientifically proven now to be one of the best things you can do for your brain. So doing meditation with your partner, that's something you can be like, hey, babe, want to start meditating with me? Let's do a 30-day meditation challenge. We're going to do 20 minutes when we wake up and 20 minutes when we go to bed. Or just two sounds too intimidating. Just pick one, you know, or mm-hmm. say you're just going to do it three days a week or whatever it is. You know, that can be healthy. I mean, you and I are always challenging each other to new healthy habits too. Right. So uh, I've talked about doing like a posture mm-hmm. challenge and... We were doing, we were like, let's not watch TV shows anymore. Let's watch documentaries only. Because mm-hmm. we learned during the documentaries. We did a reading at night challenge. For reading at night challenge. Yeah. I'd like to start doing that again, actually. I was just listening to a podcast with Hugh Jackman. And he was talking about how he and his wife do the reading every morning. They do a half hour reading together. And that's growing the brain. First thing in the morning together. You know? So when you think of health with your partner, too, don't just think of body health. Mm-hmm. Think of brain health. And emotional health, which comes from both. I mean, it all goes together. Hey there, friend. Are you loving this podcast? I want to continue to support you. So the simplest way to do this is to head over to sarahannstewart.com and pop into the newsletter. Doing this ensures that you never, ever miss any details of our new projects, products, upcoming events, or issues that are near or dear to my heart. You're also going to get access to the movement. This is the inner circle of people just like you standing in their power to bring more truth and a new level of consciousness where all individuals get to live a diet-free life in a body that they love. So pop on over to sarahannstewart.com and subscribe, and I'll see you on the inside. I think an important part of the puzzle too is that you have to witness the change in the partner to be inspired to do it. So for example, if I started meditating and you weren't meditating yet and you noticed that I was calmer, more loving, less triggered, that might inspire you to sit down and meditate. And if your partner notices, well, well, something's changing and you reference it back to the very thing that is making you healthier then it's easier to convince your partner that it's a good thing to be doing because when they see the change in you and witness truly you more integrated and aligned and following your truth and your inspirations and even less reactive with your family members and your friends, it really becomes, yeah, this easier way of being. And, And then I believe that the greatest piece of the puzzle is we want to be healthy for a very long time and live an energetic, vital life you know, and live till we're very old. And that for me is probably the most important piece of the puzzle. It's like the why, right? The purpose, the reason why we do everything we do. I mean, we don't, 
I know it's not easy every day to get into an ice bath or it's not easy every day to get up and work out and move. And and it's not even something that we love doing every single second, but we do it because it's a choice. And that choice is that hopefully it increases our lifespan and our lifespan together and our lifespan with our children and our lifespan, you know, with our grandchildren and, and the future. Yeah, it's hard to think long term sometimes. Mm-hmm. Our human brains are programmed to do what's called conspicuous consumption, which means back in the hunter-gatherer days, if we found a good like game bird and we shot it down, we'd eat the whole thing because we didn't have a refrigerator. Mm-hmm. You know, or if we found a bushel full of berries, we'd pick all the ripe ones because if we didn't pick them all and eat as many as you could, there was an animal that was going to come and eat them, you know? And now we have agriculture and refrigerators and all that. We don't have to do that anymore, but we're still programmed that way. That's why when you get your paycheck, you're tempted to go blow the whole thing. And and weekend in Vegas, you know, it's like wired into you, this short-term mindset. And that's the difference between really successful people and unsuccessful is one of the biggest differences you notice across the board is successful people think long-term. And I think of it now, the way I like to remind myself is that Every choice you make in life, you're choosing growth or you're choosing death. Mm. So when it's time to order and I pull out the room service menu, there's the death choices on there, mm-hmm. which is like the fried chicken or the you know double hot fudge sundae, or there's the growth choices, which can grow my body, which would be the kale salad and the wild salmon or, or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. And I tell myself that every choice I got to make... The more growth choices I make, the more I grow, the more death choices I make, the closer you are to death. And when you get to your 40s, you really start to feel closer to death or even late 30s, you know, especially with alcohol, too. And, and as you know, that's been a big change for me is I used to drink a lot, a lot. So <laughs> now I drink a little, a very little. So, you know, I might have a glass of wine like, I don't know, once every three weeks or something. Mm-hmm. And I would like to get drunk more often, but you know, it's just like now it's a two day recovery. <laughs> uh, the next day is more valuable to me. I heard a phrase that I love when it comes to alcohol that has also helped me not drink as much. And that is that alcohol is borrowing happiness from the next day. Right. I love that phrase. It's so true. Like that next glass of wine, you're borrowing happiness from tomorrow. So is it worth borrowing? You know, you got to ask yourself and your body changes too. When you stop drinking alcohol and as you age, it doesn't affect you the same way, which has been a blessing for me because I can't drink two glasses of wine now. I get a Mm -hmm. headache if I drink two glasses of wine in a row. And so... That's been a an interesting change because I drank so much and for so long. And even when I wasn't drinking dangerously, which I did a lot of in the past, I would like to have a couple glasses of wine at a group dinner or something like that. But once your body changes and you realize you're borrowing the happiness and you stop doing it for a while, you break out of the habit and you realize that, like, as cheesy as it sounds, because everyone, t- everyone told me this when I was drinking, the people who do drink, you can have just as much fun without alcohol, you know, but you actually can. And you can technically have more fun because you can also have fun the next day. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's and- a tough one. But I recommend everyone do a 60-day no alcohol challenge to start. Mm-hmm. And the reason I suggest 60 days is because... Everyone does like a 30-day no-alcohol cleanse. Mm -hmm. But when you do anything for 30 days, you can count down and you can white-knuckle it until the end of the 30 days. Because 30 days isn't that long. We can also skip like birthdays and holidays. You can like plan it in between. Totally. There's no – you can be like, okay, I'm going to do January 1st to 30th because nothing happens in January. And then you get New Year's Eve. But 60 days is the magic number because, one, you cannot count it down. Once you start your 60-day challenge, you get to, like, week two or three, you're, you realize, man, this is a long freaking time until I can have alcohol again. You can't white-knuckle it. You have to learn to adjust your life. Right. 
And there's always going to be one wedding, one birthday party, one holiday that you're going to have to really challenge yourself through if you're doing 60 days versus like we just said with 30, you know, Mm -hmm. you can pick and choose 30 good days. Yeah. But I remember when we originally talked about minimizing our alcohol intake or really cutting it back, it wasn't, it wasn't easy. I remember there was definitely some pushback and there was definitely these moments of like, I might always drink alcohol till the end of time. And now it's just so interesting because we go to dinner (laughs) and it's like, we don't drink. (laughs) And like to think that that ever would happen is just so mind blowing to me. And I think it's because, I mean, I committed to a year of no alcohol pretty much and just kind of became our life in the way that we integrated it in. It wasn't as challenging as it, as it felt like we were up against because we used to go out a lot and we loved New York and we like, I would drink three to four glasses of wine a week easily in New York city without question. Oh, I seen you. <laughs> <laughs> so something else too, that I've been geeking out a lot on lately is, and I'm sure you talked about this in other episodes, but how some things you just know are unhealthy for you mm-hmm. despite the evidence so alcohol is one of those things. I think if anything changes your state so much that it makes you feel worse afterwards, it can't be good for you. And there's all kinds of studies that say red wine is good for you and you can have a glass a day or whatever. Or, you know, tequila is an upper and all the other alcohols are bad or whatever. But you got to remember that 50 years ago, there were those same studies talking about how great sugar was for you. And 70 years ago, there were those same studies talking how great tobacco was for you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this was the doctor's preferred brand of cigarettes and pregnant women smoke these cigarettes. And, you know, who's funding those studies? It okay. was the tobacco companies. Then it was the sugar companies. Now it's probably the red wine companies. And yeah, there are some compounds in a glass of red wine that are good for you the polyphenols and flavonoids and things like that, but you don't need to drink a glass of red wine to get them, you know? So the alcohol in there and many doctors, many studies say that the alcohol is, is not going to screw you up long-term. And I generally agree that you can have a glass of red wine once in a while and you're going to be fine. But if you have a few, you're physically off and you don't feel as good and that, to me, something that forces your body to recover cannot possibly be good for you. It just goes against all common sense. And so I think about that now when it comes to drinking, and I've been thinking about it a lot also when it comes to caffeine. So as you know, I have been on three shots of espresso a day for better part of, I don't know, 20 years, and that was something I I let slide even when I quit. You know, I used to smoke cigarettes. Um, Even when I quit cigarettes, even when I quit alcohol for the most part, I'm not fully sober, but I'm, you know, Mm -hmm. 96% sober. I thought caffeine is fine because there's so many studies that say caffeine is good for you. But caffeine, as anyone knows, if you're listening to this, you drink caffeine, you know that it becomes a dependency. Right. And I also think something you become that physically dependent on and you become addicted to, cannot possibly be good for you. And I noticed I was having the afternoon crash. The older I got, the more the afternoon crash would kick in. And it was a little bit food-related. You know, if I ate a healthy lunch, I was more likely to have the afternoon crash. But it started happening more and more often where I would just, you know, hit 4 o'clock and I would just be done. And sometimes I could do a meditation and then get the second wind. But I just realized it was the caffeine And even some of my smartest biohacker friends would still be drinking coffee before we'd go to the gym and all this stuff. But I say, you know what? These studies are probably funded by Starbucks or one of these, you know, Coca-Cola is full of caffeine, multi, multi multi-billion dollar corporations that can afford to fund a lot of studies. And I'm going to challenge the studies because I don't think caffeine is actually good for you because it's something you have to recover from Mm -hmm. and it causes addiction. So... I decided to do six weeks, no caffeine, which was really fucking hard. That was one of the uh, like most dependent things I had been on because the excuse for doing it 
is something positive. So my excuse was I need caffeine to get work done to provide for our family mm-hmm. versus alcohol. Your excuse isn't that good. It's like, I need alcohol so I can sing karaoke. And be social. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's not quite as good, but if, if you can say it's your livelihood, you got like a great excuse, you know? So I struggled with work for three weeks. It was probably the most unproductive three weeks I've had in a long freaking time. And then after that, I got over the hump and, you know, you never, without taking any type of substance, have that same like, like, okay, let's knock out 50 to-do list items mood that you get with caffeine. But you do find your zone again. Mm -hmm. And it was tough. It was tough. It was, it was three weeks of hell and very unproductive days and the drowsiness, it wouldn't go away. And I thought maybe it was something beyond just quitting caffeine. I thought maybe I'm just like old or maybe I just need to take my diet to the next level or what it is. But yeah, I made it through the three weeks. And then I started semi-cheating with cacao nibs. And cacao nibs have something called theobromine in them. And I might be pronouncing that wrong. But you know how there's certain types of teas that have caffeine in them, mm-hmm. but it doesn't hit you like a coffee does. It's kind of like slow roll. Yeah, like green tea. Yeah, yeah. So theobromine, from what I've read, it's not caffeine, but it has a mild, very mild stimulant effect. Mm-hmm. And now I find it to be much better than coffee. And so I drink cacao mixed in a glass of macadamia nut milk or almond milk. And sometimes I put in some turmeric or different types of mushrooms in there. It's mild, but it gets me in the zone. And you know what? It could be full placebo. I don't know. It might be 100% placebo, but it gets me in the zone. And then lately, my new drink that I do now, which I think does have some kick to it, is the cacao powder, the turmeric powder, maca powder, and chai gelit. Mm. I don't know if I'm saying shigelit right either. Shilajit. 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 Tastes terrible. It's some type of crazy superfood where some guy has to climb a cliff it's and so hack at bad. these roots. It's so or bad. It's the worst tasting stuff ever. It tastes Ugh. like resin. But you mix it in with the cacao and the turmeric and the maca and it blends it out. But I mix that, those four things. Um, and I think there's some mushrooms in there too in the turmeric that I use which is from uh, Earth Echo. Shout out to uh, Danette and Craig, our friends that own Earth Echo. It's really great turmeric. And they make great cacao also. I blend those four things together and I have them with almond milk. And I like it better than coffee because Mm. it's just smooth, puts me in the zone. Hey, it may be placebo, but I feel like there's something going on. And my bet is over. I did the caffeine on a bet. It wasn't a challenge. I wouldn't have made it without a bet. (laughs) Okay. I needed actual monetary consequence. It is so funny because Mordecai, who we've had on this podcast as well, you know, he does all these bets to get healthier. It must be a male thing. Maybe it's a guy thing. I don't know. I don't know. It's just, so, it's, so. yeah, I did a very you know, expensive I, bet. It goes bet. against everything I talk about. Cause I'm like, find the inspiration within you go within, look within, but maybe for men, they just, I don't know. Maybe you guys need the external that you're going to lose money or, you're up against something or a friend that you, you just, it, it inspires you and motivates you to get shit done. I don't know. It, it is a kind of a man to man challenge. Mm-hmm. So I posted about my 60 day meditation challenge on Facebook and a guy, old friend of mine, he's actually a professional poker player messaged on the comments and he said, Hey, good luck on the meditation challenge. Let me know when you're ready to do a no caffeine bet. Mm. So it like got you riled up. And I've been thinking about the no caffeine (laughs) for a long time. I had been. And I was like, shit, I wonder if I could do it. This would be the only way I could. It has to have money on the line. Ah. And so we thought about what does the money go to? You know, we decided we should write a check to something that would make us angry. Mm. Not to each other. But a charity for good cause. But But to make us angry. A charity, but but not a charity that we particularly liked. Okay. Okay. So this guy, he said, I said, what what charity do you want that would kind of irk you to donate to? And he said, well, I am a 
fairly moderate red meat eating uh cryptocurrency loving uh libertarian uh political beliefs and i said wait a second how about PETA? you know people for ethical treatment of animals mm -hmm. and he said yes that would irk me to donate to PETA. i figured because he said red meat i don't know and i actually think PETA does some good things. So yeah, they do. I was happy to slide that <laughs> for him. And then he asked me, he said, what about you? And I said, I, uh, let's see. I very much dislike people who are on the far left of politics. <laughs> I very much dislike people who are on the far right of politics. I very much pe hate people who are too into politics because I just, you know, like living my life. And he said, how about you have to donate to the Democratic National Convention? And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it wasn't, wasn't uh, kind of the same uh, where they're doing, yeah, doing good work. I mean, but. There's probably some good things that come from it. But yeah, so we both made it through the six weeks. I actually I started three days early because it, it was a thousand dollar donation if we cracked. Mm -hmm. And if I cracked, I wanted it to not be when the bet was going on. So it was supposed to start on the 1st of June. And I actually started on May 28th because I knew if I, if I was like fiending and reach for it, you know, oh then I, I would be able to do it without making the bet. And I could maybe call it off before the 1st, you know, if I knew I couldn't do it. But I made it through the six weeks and I'm really happy I did. Because also something I else have been analyzing during this coronavirus pandemic is the death of routine. And we get in those routines and we think they're good because good things come out of them, but there could be something better. Mm -hmm. So my example that I like to share is before the pandemic, I would wake up and I think, okay, I need to get to the office as soon as possible, especially on days when I'm going to work out of the office. Otherwise, I'd work out at home and then I get to the office as soon as possible. So we have a dog walker and you know, I get to the office get there, you know, eight or nine. And then because of traffic, I wouldn't come home till seven or whatever. And I was like, oh, I'm being very productive. Mm -hmm. And then pandemic happened. Can't have a dog walker anymore. And I was on dog duty in the morning. So I had to get up and walk the dogs and feed the dogs. So I get up, I grab the dogs, I grab my audio book, my headset, I go out, I walk the dogs for a half hour, I come back, feed them for a half hour. Shoot, I just got 45 minutes of reading done. I got more books read than I had in like years previously. And I was learning so much and walking the dogs is fun. I heard someone else talking recently. I forget who it was, someone on a podcast or something. And they said, how would someone ever have a dog walker? Walking your dog is one of the greatest joys in life. It's like you pay someone to do something that's joyful that you could be doing. And I realized it. Mm -hmm. And so now our dog walker is back, but I try to walk the dogs on a fairly regular basis, like at least every other day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that broke the routine of getting to work right away. But I was actually more productive because I would enter work instead of starting at 8. I'd start at 8.45 or 9, but I'd be in a cleaner headspace. I felt like I got my learning in. I got my sunshine in. I got a little bit of exercise in. So I had this great routine where I was like, you start work right away. Turn it out to be there was a next level of routine mm -hmm. and it was completely different. So I encourage people to think of them themselves as animals. <laughs> okay. <laughs> think of yourself. Are you are you a worker ant <laughs> that you get up and you fall in line? And we've all seen what happens when mm -hmm. an ant falls out of his line. He gets all freaked out, like, oh my God, I gotta find my way back to the ant line, you know, and you know, the lost ant, right? And that's how I was if uh I was like trying to get to work and you would tell me, hey, Craig, Sam's not coming today. You got to walk the dogs. I'm like, oh, what the fuck? You know, I got to get to work. Hey, yeah. But then when I, I started shifting my routine myself, I realized, okay, I don't have to be like the ant. I can be more like the eagle. Mm -hmm. And you imagine the eagle as this great soaring bird that goes from treetop to mountaintop and just cruises around, you know, picks up a meal when he wants, goes for a soar when he wants. No lineups with other birds, just, just doing your thing. And I don't think routine is terrible. And I've fallen back into some routines. Mm -hmm. But I encourage everyone listening to just try one week as the eagle. Right. Try one week and say, for this week, I'm not going to do anything at the normal time. Doesn't mean you're not going to work out. Doesn't mean you're not going to put in the same amount of work hours. 
you might just get up and decide, hey, I'm going to start today with a walk around the block. Or, you know, I usually wake up and work out first thing. Uh, I'm going to do that later. Or, you know, instead of a weights workout, I'm going to do a swim later. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and don't do it at a set time. Do it when you feel like it. Just dismantle your routine and see what happens. You might end up with something better. Yeah. I mean, I think that our routine is what causes lack of joy because when mm-hmm. we're spontaneous and we're doing things on the cuff, we actually slow down time. And I yes. actually think that it actually improves the relationship dynamic as well, because when we're spontaneous and, and I'm heading out for a walk and you join me, or we head out for a hike or we, t- we grab the dogs or we, you know, we're just on the whim of what feels in flow today to move our bodies, to eat well, to drink water, to do all the things that we do and to de-stress, whether that's mindfulness or meditation. I think when we were doing our own separate routines, we never found each other. It was like, you did your meditation at a certain time. I did my meditation at a certain time. I did my workout at a certain time. You did your workout at a certain time. And what COVID has done has really integrated our routine. So yes, we still have our own independent self-care time, but we also have been less strict about those practices and more integrated in us coming together and saying what feels inspiring and joyful and happy today that we can do together. And I think that's part of it is when I see couples that are in challenge around this topic, it's because they're so strict on their routine and then they resent and are angry when the other person's routine forces their routine to fall out of balance or fall out of (laughs) structure. And then they're like upset with their partner because something went wrong. Like you said, having to get up and maybe walk the dogs once a month. It's like, okay, well, how do we shift that mindset? So it becomes, you know, this beautiful experience of being together, but also holding each other's values of health and well-being at the highest regard. And I don't even know if we answered the original question, which I was asking you. Oh, well, do this together. Do this with your partner. Be like, hey, you know, I want to challenge both of us or do a, a five day or seven day, no mm-hmm. routine challenge. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was thinking about the original question I asked you, which was what did I do wrong? Oh, what did you do wrong? What was the, Oh, how much time do we have on the podcast now? <laughs> if a few more minutes. You've, you've done really, really, really great. I'll just say a few more things you've done right is you would never shame me when I did order the pizza or eat the bread or anything like that. You just kept doing your thing and kept eating healthy. I think I did shame you once around the pink juice that you used to drink every Oh, morning. that's right. Because I was drinking this pink juice with uh, All these, artificial like, colors. Artificial colors and sucralose yeah. and ugh. It well, was... it, it wasn't uh, – I didn't have my own product at the time to drink either. <laughs> And so later we developed some great healthy products. I think I actually jumped it out and you came home one day and you're like, where's my, I don't even know what we called it. I like silly sauce. Silly sauce. I like made fun of it for months. It was like branch chain amino acids. And then one day you came home and it was just gone and you were like, what the loving fuck? Where is my silly, silly juice? And I'm like, it's gone. (laughs) And it's funny because when you put it out, I remember that when I first started drinking it, it tasted like crap. But after you drink it a couple days in a row, it tastes good. Yeah. You know, because you get used to it. But it tastes like crap because it was probably full of uh, artificial sweeteners and, and, you know, bad artificial colors and stuff. And yeah, it was branched chain amino acids, which is good to drink uh, or take in pill form if you're going to work out fasted, you know, mm-hmm. without food in your stomach. And so that inspired me in business to create a healthier morning drink. And, and we did uh, with Dr. Gundry. So now I drink my Vital Reds every morning which tastes better. It's uh, naturally flavored with delicious berries. And uh, I will just shamelessly plug it right now that everyone needs to go. Bye, Bye. Vital Reds. Reds. (laughs) (laughs) So what were the other good things? Anything else? So no shaming. Did I do anything else well in this relationship (laughs) to bring you to greater health? Okay. Here's something you didn't do, but I think someone else could do, and that is cook. Oh, okay. If someone uh, That's like a great idea. cook, they could just cook healthy meals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They could take charge of the ordering and order healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if they didn't want the, the partner to be, if the partner wasn't capable of ordering healthy, they could just take charge of the, the ordering. Mm-hmm. Doing things like healthy shopping trips before we go, like settle into a, uh, a rental house or something, you know, like yep. we did that couple's trip and go to the Whole Foods on the way there. You know, and get a bunch of healthy snacks and stuff. 
you know, so then you have your healthy snacks, even if you show up and the other couples have brought Doritos and stuff like that, you know, you've got your sweet potato chips or whatever, you know, so that's good. Healthy cooking together can be fun too. You know, you could get a shameless pitch again, Dr. Gundry cookbooks, mm-hmm. you know, or Whole30 or uh, any of those cookbooks with healthy recipes. Not something we did because you and I don't cook much, but I mean, you cook on occasion when you do, it's very good. Hint, hint, I would be a lot healthier, you know, if you cook one. No. But, uh, it, well, actually, you make a wicked salad, too, when you do that, that that sweet potato chips in it for the crunch and the blueberries. Oh, man, so good. Yeah, healthy cooking together. So, what else did you do? So, what did you do wrong, though? You know what, something else? I really that- wish you would I wish you would eat In-N-Out Burger once in a while. Oh, gosh. It's I good. They have their do- own farm of cows. It. It's never frozen. The cows I've driven by the farm, they're out there pooing and grazing and all that. They're in plenty of room to run around. The potatoes are, they're not in canola oil. They're not in the best oil. I think they're in sunflower oil, which is, is, canola oil is freaking terrible for you. Mm -hmm. Let me just talk some shit on something while we're here. Oatly, the oat milk. Remember when I switched to oat milk because my vibrancy test said I shouldn't drink almond milk? Well, oat milk turns out uh, is full of canola oil oatly is really yeah it's got as much canola oil in a cup of it as a, does a large french fry and that's why when i switched to oat milk i started getting even more of a uh energy drop except it would wouldn't start at four in the afternoon it would start great when i was drinking my 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 triple latte oh, wow. instead of three espresso shots and i'd be falling asleep i'd be like what the hell is this and then dr gunry told me to stop drinking oat milk because it has glyphosate in it and mm-hmm. then later i found out with the corn syrup so uh yeah oat milk is garbage and macadamia milk is good. Almond milk is good if you can get it without the sugar. Uh, same with hemp milk. Yeah, just because something is at uh, Whole Foods or one of these healthy grocery stores and says gluten-free or sugar-free does not mean it's good for you. So uh, it's good to educate on that. Yeah, I think something else I did, which I think was unconscious, I didn't intentionally do it, was I just started buying stuff for the house and having it around and then... It was like you started using the filtered water and you started. Yes. It was like you all of a sudden. The air fr- purifiers. The air now, if I don't have an air purifier, purifier, I freak out. Right. You know, but yeah. I, it wasn't something I was proactive on. You were proactive on those. I remember when Vinny, Vinny Lobdell from yeah. Intellipure came over and you were like, come on, Sarah. Like, again, you're like, this is, is this really necessary? We have like 17 air filters in our oh house. Oh my gosh. We have so many air filters. <laughs> We have like four different kinds in our master bedroom. It's funny. But yeah, that's a good point with the air things that you brought in. I mean, you brought in like the juve lights and what else? The sauna. All the kinds sunlight of sauna. stuff. The sauna. I brought in the ice bath. These tinted glasses. I've been pushing you to get some mm-hmm. of these. And I've been pushing you to get the thing that changes your screens. I got that. Yeah. So changing your computer screen, your phone green, there's an app called uh, phone screen. There's an app called Flux that takes out the blue light because that blue light will keep you up all night. It fucks up your circadian rhythm. It gets fun, right? I think now. Oh, and the Whoop Band. I'm oh. a big fan of the Whoop Band. I want you to get one of these because it tracks one. your sleep and I had it's one. fantastic. I know. I had one. Yeah. Aura Ring is good too. The Whoop Band I find better. Aura Ring is a good start for sleep tracking. That's so nice. Because when, you, when you're mindful of something, you improve it. And Whoop Band or Aura Ring has you thinking about your sleep. And I've gotten much better sleep since doing that. Yeah. And something like that could be a great gift for your partner. Again, it has to be without the intention of they have to use it. You have to be detached from the experience. But these are things that can be inspiring and fun. And it can be just like, honey, did you know that if you get this iris app on your computer you'll get better sleep and it can just be that and you can be detached from the outcome if they do it great if they don't they don't i mean you bought bought me a posture app that i still haven't used that i need to get to and i know deep down that i that that's something i need to work on and so i i hired someone to help me with my posture but you got to do the 60-day posture challenge i still got to do that so that's what that's what would do it for you also we quit alcohol together Right. Remember, we quit. We're like, we're going to, you know, get as healthy as we can to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. And so doing challenges together. Mm-hmm. Did we already say that? If we did, we're saying it again, because that's good, doing the challenges together. I guess it gets to be a challenge, though, no pun intended, when one person needs the thing and the other one doesn't. Right. Like, I've already done a lot of work on my posture. Not that I couldn't 
get better, but I've done a lot of work on it. Mm-hmm. And you don't need a eat organic food challenge because you always eat organic food, mm-hmm. you know. So, but that could be something that I I um, now I eat, you know, ninety percent organic. And I think it's also asking for the permission. So. I always say, you know, I'll feel a lot more inspired if you remind me to take my supplements. I'll feel no sex unless we get food (laughs) for dinner. But it's this permission. It's like the graceful part of the permission and just the permission to inspire someone into greater health. And I think that that's a conversation that also needs to be had. It's like, you can, you can inspire me and I won't feel like you're nagging me because I love you unconditionally the way you are, but I also want you to be happier and healthier. And so if you have that permission conversation first and say, you know, I might encourage you to do things. It doesn't mean I love you any different, but it's just because I want you to be healthier because I love you. Then it becomes this really powerful conversation versus I'm nagging you to do something because I feel bad or less of a person. I remember when we first started dating, I felt like I was a bad coach or a bad partner because I wasn't inspiring you to become healthy. And then Annie kept telling me, well, this is is a long-term game. This isn't, you know, all of a sudden overnight, he's going to be wake up and be this person you want him to be. This has to be you know, a few years in the making. Um, the last thing I wanted to say, which I think I did unconsciously was I brought a lot of healthy people around you. So even if you weren't inspired by me, (laughs) you were inspired by Mm -hmm. the friends that we were around. And so I think that that also helped a lot, like having Max Lugavere around to inspire you to be healthy. Didn't hurt. Definitely, definitely you know, having this bro to bro energy was very different than having me around. So I'd just be like, Max, encourage Craig to do X, Y, and Z. And then he'd just swoop in. <laughs> oh man, now <laughs> I'm just kidding. Out. I'm just All kidding. Right. But yes, having people around too, I think is another, another big piece. And I think we could talk about this forever. And I know you're getting tired and want to go to bed because it's, <laughs> It's 10 o'clock. Yeah, I'm the one that also that enforces the bedtime. <laughs> so we do push each other for uh, different health directions, you know? Yeah. I, like, like honestly, if I wasn't enforcing bedtime, we'd probably be up later most we nights. Yeah, we would. And then there's things that you enforce, like the, you know, the healthier food ordering. So it's yep. a good, good team. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here and having this conversation. Well, I don't have a choice. <laughs> I, I can't, like, go switch hotel rooms and get my own. Like, that would be weird. So we're here together. Yeah. Yeah. I love you. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. This is a lot of fun. I'm so grateful to my husband, Craig, for joining me on the podcast today and for being my partner in life. Our relationship has taught me and continues to teach me the importance of letting go and truly honoring what's true for me in each moment. As I mentioned this earlier, but I think it's worth repeating Throughout my journey, I've learned that you can absolutely love someone and not love their choices. As I mentioned this earlier, but I think it's worth repeating, throughout my journey, I've learned that you can absolutely love someone and not love all of their choices. As you move forward with your relationships this week and navigate things like grocery shopping with your partner or dinners with your family, I encourage you to take a pause. Evaluate how your feelings and what's true for you show up. Take note of what's continuously coming forward. Are you feeling challenged standing up for yourself or saying no or having a conversation with your partner about the level of health you deeply desire to create? I've found that women who have the healthiest relationship with food and their bodies have some level of mastery around boundaries. When we don't create personal boundaries and practice them, we drain our energy, we stunt our growth, and we hold ourselves back. And I've found the solution to this is really redefining our no. Many of us are taught that saying no or refusing someone or someone's suggestion is a negative response. But this word is so incredibly necessary. So I'm encouraging you and empowering you to start saying no. When you say no, you are empowering another to be responsible for themselves. You're saying yes to taking care of your physical, emotional, and mental health. You're saying yes to the commitments that you made to achieve your goals. And you're saying yes to leading by example and living in alignment with your highest good. This week, I encourage you to say no. Try it on, use it, practice it, and see how it lands in your world. So you can show up in your world as the best version of you. Everybody wins when you're available, 
as your happiest, healthiest, and most connected self. If you enjoyed this conversation today, I recommend you also checking out my recent episode with Nancy Levine. We discuss boundaries and why setting them with even your closest family members is so, so important for your health and your happiness. Further, it would mean the world to me, again, if you could share this with someone that you love, someone else that needs this inspiration, this motivation, and would benefit from being here and part of this movement. Thank you so much today for being here. As always, it's an honor and a pleasure to share this space with you. Drop me a message on Instagram if you've been listening to these podcasts and let me know what's been resonating. What do you want to hear more of? How can I support you? How can I celebrate you? You can find me on the gram at Sarah Ann Stewart. And until next time, I'm sending you so much love, a massive virtual hug for the week ahead and trusting that this week you're going to use the word no and step in to more confident, loving, empowered space in your relationships. Until next time, I'm sending you so much love and trusting that you'll have the most beautiful, incredible, epic week ahead. All right, that concludes this cast. It is my honor to always be here with you. But hang tight because I have one last thought. You're here right now because you are ready. Because while many of us share the feelings of wanting more, not everyone is willing to do what it takes to get it. But you are here. You are ready. So this is your opportunity now to take what you just learned and implement it today. Make a pact with yourself to put just one thing into action. Just one. Write it down, do it, and share it with me. We are all in this together. Thank you for being here. You too can feel awesome from the inside out.